and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to Jardine Sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop here, on another fabulous, feisty, fiery sort of Friday for Torch Report 486, uniting to forge a path forward. Today, friends, we're going to be continuing the conversation about overcoming our petty differences in order to overcome evil. Now, There's a real fascinating aspect to kind of spilling out words from my heart day after day, month after month, year after year. And try to imagine, if you will, that the very first time you ever read my thoughts or listened to my voice, I was defending liberals. I was expressing a willingness to work alongside atheists and challenging the moral supremacy of any given religion. Now, for many of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the Fruited Plains, that would be repulsive. You know, come on, what the hell is this guy talking about? And yet, and yet, friends, if you knew me, if you'd followed along my unfolding train of thought over the last 485 reports, if you had some sense of my heart and moral grounding, uh, such words might sound strange to you, yet the voice would be familiar and you might listen. You'd hear me out. You'd consider my points and perhaps grasp the positive intent behind my words. I'm not writing to ruffle feathers. I'm writing to stimulate curiosity and, and contemplation and to find that path forward coming together. United we stand, divided we fall. And thus, I am willing to say What most people are too scared to say, especially a lot of conservatives, they just don't want to go there. Uh, I mean, come on, what conservative, what what self-respecting conservative would defend liberals or express willingness to work with atheists or challenge the moral supremacy of any given religion? I mean, come on. Uh, But the point is, those things need to get said. And I say them because I do not fear the disapproval of others. You know, for for the audience at large... I'm just another pundit, right? I, I mean, I'm just a, another commentator on the political circus, just another personality on the air. You know, what, one of the greatest compliments I've received to date, and I, I'm grateful for all the confidence and the feedback I do get, but one of my favorite comments was that, that, that I was someone's favorite unknown writer on Substack. And they said that, like, I don't want to offend you, but you're my favorite unknown writer. And I thought, wow, you know, I really took those words to heart. That's a huge compliment coming from a perfect stranger. And it meant that somehow I'd stood out. I'd been heard above the roar of the crowd. But I acknowledge I'm just one voice, one voice of many voices. That anyone would take the time to listen to little old me, to hear the opinions of a mere ignorant peasant, I consider that to be a significant honor. That many people would tune in and listen often, maybe even daily. That makes my heart soar like a hawk. It makes me feel as if I'm doing what I was born to do, as if I'm walking the path that's been set before me. I am honoring my heart. And personally, I believe that by honoring my heart, I'm honoring God in the process. So while it's true that uh, you know, astute political analysis is imperative. It's very, very important. Uh, the proper understanding of our many pertinent problems is absolutely critical. There's always something more, right? I always, oh, there's more to the story, but there's something 
different. There's something deeper that compels me to rock the boat, to speak my mind, to call it like it is, or at least how I see it, regardless of the cost. Friends, I will fight to the death to defend the people I love, my family and friends. I will fight to the death to defend the country that I love, the Constitutional Republic of United States of America. You know, I will fight to the death to defend even those with whom I disagree. I will fight to defend the people who are picked on and made fun of. <laughs> Unless, of course, they deserve to be picked on and made fun of, you know. I'll, I'll mock the arrogant fools, the intellectual elitists, just as quickly as I will defend the simple-minded, those who are not equipped to defend themselves. You know, the first time I, uh, I ever punched someone in the face, I was in grade school, like fourth grade, and my buddy was getting picked on by this sixth-grade bully, and I said, you leave him alone. I walked up. You know, so that that fierce and fearless protector, that warrior at heart, that's who I am. That's my nature. And all of this comes to bear on my defense of my liberal friends yesterday. Torch Report 485 in defense of my liberal friends. Uh, you know, yesterday I chose to defend my liberal friends, not because I agree with everything they think, but because they have a right to be different, because I respect their humanity. And furthermore, <laughs> once we move past labels and remove our heads from the orifice of the political establishment, I believe we can find the rich and fertile soil of common ground. And I don't really give a damn if people disagree. I know for a fact that I am right. I know this to be true as part of my lived experience, if you will, to uh, use a little bit of modern lingo there. Now, I put myself out there yesterday. I spoke the unthinkable. I said that good there, there are good people who don't believe in God. <gasps> you know, a hush fell across the crowd, but I mean it, you know? And you know what? Friends, you would be amazed at the responses I received. You know, several, several responses coming in, uh, and the responses were sincere. They were heartfelt, appreciative. And that mean, and it means that you know, there was a meaningful connection in what I said. Here I am, you know, uh, stalwart defender, uh, liberty firebrand, you know, defender of the Constitution, defender of American values. Uh, you know, again, you know, I'm, I'm fighting for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And in the age of political insanity, I come down uh, strongly as a, as a constitutional conservative. And here I am defending liberals and atheists, okay? But that connected because there are liberals and atheists who agree with the principles of America as founded, who desire life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, who want to have limited government of the people, for the people, governed by the consent of the governed. There are people who have wildly different beliefs in other areas who share those beliefs on these critical issues, the most critical issues of our time. So by defending those who believe differently, there was a meaningful connection. And authentic connection and meaningful interaction, that's something that we all crave as human beings. We crave this connection regardless of our labels. We crave this connection as human beings and we need this connection in order to thrive in life. That I consider to be a fact now. Uh, unfortunately, however, you know, thanks to 
the decades of institutional conditioning and psychological warfare that are warping the minds of humanity, the majority of people today feel less connected now than ever before, despite being connected all the time. Hence the mental health issues, the depression, the skyrocketing suicides. And this is not by accident. The fact that people feel disconnected is not by accident. The intentional divisions that are being sowed into society, namely political and religious divisions. These divisions are being used as wedges to drive people away from each other. And by doing so, they, they, the social fabric is weakened. You know, Communities begin to deteriorate. And once we're isolated and divided against each other, really the public then lacks the impetus to pull together against our common foe. The, the global cabal is trying to conquer us all. And I just think that's really, really important. So to illustrate where my head is at with all of this, friends, I want to try to Im- I want you to try to imagine, if you will, a a presidential election, say two hundred years ago. Okay, a lot different two hundred years ago. The year would be eighteen twenty four, and as it turns out, eighteen twenty four, that year, that election was a hotly contested election, and the results of that election in eighteen twenty four proved to be inconclusive. And as I was researching for the report and learning about that, holy smokes, you know, I look at the eighteen twenty four election, compare it with. Bill Gates' prediction that we're going to have a hung election and a civil war. And I don't know, there's a lot of lining up here, you know. But in 1824, you know, that was a year when there were only 24 states in the Union. Half of, less than half of our country was formed. You know, there, there was less than 10 million people in the nation, less than the current population of New York or Chicago or, or L.A., greater areas, right? And, of course, you know, at that point, 1824, the electrification of the United States of America was still over 100 years away. And yet they had, you know, a hotly contested election that proved to be inconclusion, uh, inconclusive. You know, just try to imagine what elections were like way back when. There was no 24-7 news coverage. You know, there was no television or radio. There was no national polling. There was no, you know, punditry giving opinions about every little damn thing. You know, there was, there was a lot different um, circumstances, and yet the human nature was the same. And interestingly enough, uh, again, I'm not a history buff, but back in the day, at 1824, it turns out there was only one political party back then, and, and it was called the Democrat-Republican Party. The Democrat-Republican Party was founded by Thomas Jefferson and James Madison, and the stance of the Democrat-Republican Party was against consolidating power into a centralized federal government, as was the preference of the loosely affiliated opposition to the Democrat-Republican Party, who was the Federalists, okay? So the Federalists wanted to consolidate power and control in the federal government. The Democrat-Republican Party, founded by Thomas Jefferson and James Madison, said, no, 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 no! The Constitution was written to protect and preserve states' rights and the rights of the people to keep the federal government very, very small. And the correlation between then and now, friends, it's just simply astounding, notwithstanding the radical changes in society in the 200 years between then and now, there are so many similarities there. And the point I want to drive home 
is that 200 years ago, Democrats were not fighting against Republicans. Republicans were not fighting against Democrats. Instead, Democrats and Republicans were united and standing together in their fight against centralized control. Friends, that is absolutely key. You know, the the 1820s, they were known as the era of good feelings. And again, I put links in the report, friends, you want to dive into this stuff, but the era of good feelings came on the heels of the War of 1812. People were coming together at that time. Again, Democrats and Republicans coming together uh, to stand against centralized federal control. And a little excerpt here from the wiki article on the era of good feelings, and it says, quote, The era saw the collapse of the Federalist Party and an end to the bitter partisan disputes between it and the dominant Democratic-Republican Party during the first party system. President James Monroe strove to downplay partisan affiliation in making his nominations with the ultimate goal of national unity and eliminating political parties altogether from national politics, period, end quote. The era saw the collapse of the Federalist Party and the end to the bitter partisan disputes. The ultimate goal was national unity, eliminating political parties altogether from national politics. Oh, the wisdom. Oh, the dream. Friends, Republicans and Democrats. We're united together in fighting for states' rights, fighting for local representative government against a political force that sought to centralize power and control into the hands of the federal government. Gosh, who'd have thunk? (laughs) You know, 200 years later, look at where we're at. This is what we need, you know? The ultimate goal 200 years ago was to downplay partisan affiliation in favor of national unity and to eliminate political parties from national politics. Again, you know, I'm not a history buff, friends, but this is good stuff, isn't it? You know, in fact, this is genius. And... In fact, it does align perfectly with what uh, yours truly has been attempting to articulate in recent reports. You know, the, the only way in which we can defeat the sinister global cabal, the only way to prevent authoritarian global governance, the only way to thwart the elitist's effort to dehumanize, domesticate, and ultimately depopulate humanity, the only way we can do that is to stand together. Democrats and Republicans, liberals and conservatives, we need to stand together against the concerted efforts to centralize control in the hands of a global government. Now, I just want to mention in passing here uh, that this desire to consolidate power into control in the hands of a centralized government, this is a mental virus. It is a meme that is as old as society itself. And it never, ever, ever, ever works. But, of course... That doesn't stop each generation from sprouting its own crop of tyrants who get infected with this idea that they have the right to control everybody else and make decisions uh, because nobody knows what's best for themselves. So here we are 200 years later facing the exact same situation uh, with with some uh, other factors in there like the weaponized AI, the media, the propaganda, the psyops, etc. And, you know, there's kind of an interesting twist here. You know, 200 years later, it, the, you know, currently society is being divided as Republicans versus Democrats, as the religious right against the liberal left, 
when in fact the real battle is between local communities and centralized control. Clearly, at least clearly in my mind, this is not by accident. So back then, it was Republicans and Democrats against the federal government. Now, they've got Republicans and Democrats fighting against each other, kind of paving the way for centralized control under the auspice of the greater good, as if the federal government has the right to work out all of these rifts. They do not, according to constitutional law. So... People all across the political spectrum, I think, would be wise to wake up to this fact that the federal government, those who want to consolidate power and control, are turning us against each other to achieve their, you know, CD schemes, if you will. But the reality is, Democrats and Republicans, if we remove the labels, we're all just people kind of living together. You know, we interact at the local level. It's true that we're more polarized than ever before, but that's because of the propaganda, not because people are, you know, inherently evil. Liberals or Republicans are inherently evil, even though, you know, a lot of people kind of seem to think that way now. But we interact and we mingle at the local level. And, and there's, a, there's a tendency, of course, to congregate near like-minded people. But there still remains in every community the infinite diversity and individuality of every unique and individual person. Everyone who goes to the same church doesn't believe or behave the same way, for example. You know, you know, people in the same family have wildly different perspectives, opinions, and beliefs, and yet we can still get along. We can still love each other. We can still work together for common goals, right? Friends, in, in reality, I believe that our lives are a beautiful collage of interactions with a fascinating variety of people. People are fascinating, you know? It's okay to think and believe differently. In fact, it's your God-given right to do so, or your innate human right to do so, or your natural-born right to do so, depending on how you frame it. Regardless of how you frame it, the fact exists that you can choose to think and believe however you will. And so can every other person on the planet, every other person you have ever known or will ever meet. I believe this is an empowering truth. And this empowering truth has profound consequences at both the personal and the political levels. But more importantly, friends, we can use this truth. We can use this truth to restitch the social fabric, to unite our communities, and to compel the largest possible swath of Americans to stand together against the centralized tyranny of state, federal, and global level government. Republicans and Democrats, atheists and Christians, liberals, conservatives, cowboys, and car salesmen. I mean, pick your label and then peel it off. There's a person inside who yearns to be free. Tell them they don't have to obey. Tell them they were born to be free and that centralized government is in fact their enemy. Tell them that anyone seeking to consolidate power and control is evil <laughs> and is their enemy. And then, of course, you know, friends, tell them one more thing. You know, just tell them for me, since it's Friday, drum roll, please, for all my rowdy, rebel-rousing, red-blooded Americans, the commies are taking over the world! ha <laughs> ha! 
Oh, friends, that is the message of my heart for today. If you're enjoying this podcast, please take the time to go to the website, thetorchreport.com. Find that little heart and click that little heart and give me some love. Subscribe if you have not subscribed already. And of course, the greatest honor of all at all times is if you share this podcast with someone. Share it with anyone. Share it with everyone you know. Get out there and embrace this fine, fabulous, fantastic Friday. Have a very wonderful weekend, friends. And I'll look forward to talking to you again soon.